0: You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. about going hard after jesus and i'm here to just open that up to you and realize you, uh, help you realize that that is the whole essence of life to know him john seventeen three says this it says this is eternal life to know the one true god and his son whom he sent that is all that there is to this thing it's about his glory it's about him and even when it comes down to it to spend eternity with him we must know Him. Does that make sense? Awesome. So, all right. So, obviously, we're here to go deeper, you know, and we're, uh, there's a lot of, um, we have a couple of Mondays together. I'm just going to give you guys just a brief kind of survey of what that's going to look like just from our perspective so we prepare ourselves because I don't want us to come in expecting like a sermon. I want us to come in expecting to get to work. Does that make sense? To actually you know, put the, put your hand to the plow without looking back. So uh, bring notebooks, bring whatever you need to. But basically today, I know that today we're not, I mean, some people are fasting, but the fast starts on Monday, correct? So um, I know it starts next week. So today I'm really going to be talking about just some foundational stuff. Next week, we're going to cover prayer. The following week we'll cover fasting. And the last week we'll cover corporate prayer. Okay, because all these different things are moving parts, but they have the same root. Okay, so we're going to go over that. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, and we'll be somewhere around verse 46. That's it, right? Perfect. Awesome. Okay. Um, And just even before I go in, I know I've got just um, a little bit of time there. Um, I like to remain open and sensitive to what the Spirit's saying. I know the authority uh, of the Word of God, like obviously in all lives, but how many of you know that God still speaks? You guys believe that? It, it's real because you're going to hear stuff out there like, okay, God doesn't speak. This is, you know, the closed canon. It, it is. And God won't contradict this but God is alive God speaks God has a will for our lives every single day he's not just some distant God who left us principles to float throughout life but the Bible says that even in something called the great commission how many of you are familiar with that Matthew 28 Jesus says go out into all the world and make disciples out of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit Right, but then when the apostles get on the scene, they go out preaching the Holy Ghost, and but you know they go out preaching the gospel and all these different things. But have you noticed in the book of Acts that even though Jesus wanted them to preach the gospel, that He did not permit them to go to certain places? My question to you is: How did they know whether to turn left or right? How did they know whether to go here or there? The answer is simple: the voice of God. God still speaks. Is the gospel good? Is the gospel true? Should we go out to the nations? But it's all subject to his voice. And that requires and puts a demand on us to invest in the place of relationship with God. Guys, we can't um, skate through this. We can't avoid it. There's no substitute for it. There's no substitute, right? There's a high cost, but God has provided the grace in advance for us to be able to do this thing. All right, I know before I came, this has been announced for a long time. And I know a lot of people are excited about maybe what I'm going to share, perhaps who I am. But I think what's even better is for us to be excited about Jesus, right? Because I'm also on the pursuit with you guys. And if anything, I'm here to show you one thing and to tell you one thing is that you don't have to look up to me as some spiritual guy, but that this thing, relationship with God is your birthright. This is who God has made you to be. You are created for connection with God. Your very beings, your whole five senses, there's a mysterious passage in 1 Corinthians 6.17. And don't worry, I didn't forget about Luke 6. In 1 Corinthians 6.17, the Bible says that when anyone is one with the Lord or joined to the Lord, they are one with him. Are there any scholars in the house? Okay. The word joined there is quite deep. Okay. It's not talking about just gathering and being associated with him. It's saying the way a man and a wife join together. We're one with him. Do you see what I'm saying? You see where I'm going with that, right? So I want you to just think about this for a second. Think about your five senses, okay? You guys taste, right? The majority of us do see, smell, touch. Do you realize that you can know God in your five senses? Your whole being and makeup, your thought life was created for him. He wants to inhabit all of that space. The whole real estate of your life. Does that make sense? Mind, body, spirit. You guys remember Deuteronomy 6, right? The Bible says the first and greatest command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your, with all your, and with all your, that is every realm of who we are. And God's love can crash in there. God wants to know you like that. God's not just interested in you on Sundays or interested in you when it's time to do right. God wants to know you. And this is the foundation for prayer, right? God wants to know us, but even greater, we have the opportunity to get to know God through Jesus. Okay? Now, I have to say this before I move on. How many of you know that prayer is not unique to the Christian faith? How many of you know that fasting is not unique to the Christian faith? However, fasting and prayer are unique within the Christian faith. Does that make sense? Okay. This is why other religions, other faiths, all have a way of approaching some type of deity, some type of authority, some type of spiritual, you know, high power or God, right? Every other religion has this. But the difference between that and prayer and fasting and seeking God here is that our God hears. Psalm 65, 2. Oh, you who hear prayer to you all flesh will come. So why why is everyone coming? Because there's a God who hears. I remember there's a song by Jason Upton. I don't know if you guys know him. There's a God who hears, right? There's a God who hears. That's why we come, because we actually have audience with the God of the universe. Let that sink in. We're amazed by stars and eclipses and nebulas and galaxies you have audience with that God through Jesus. God's opened up the door, the gateway, and so few of us go through and go in and enjoy the pastures that Jesus paid a price for. God's saying, hey, I've opened up the way for you. Yeah, I know, little me, to have fellowship with God. And that's an awesome thought when you actually consider who God is, that God would care to share his heart and his mind with you and me. Isn't that what Psalm 8, 6 says? Remember the psalmist David writing, who is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? For you've made him a little lower than angels, but you've crowned him with glory and honor. Who is man? Who are we? Yet God says, no, I will make my dwelling not in temples, but in them. That's a whole story for another day. We, we don't want to get Holy Ghost up in here today. Trust me. That stuff, no, trust me, that's an awesome, I mean, we do want to, but I'm saying that's obviously not the reason. But think about that. God, in all his glory, wants to dwell in your body, in you. That's what God wants. And not only does he want that, he also wants you to know him and for you to dwell in who? In him. This is the essence of prayer. Okay? It's the essence of prayer. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay. Have you ever wondered about the passage in Matthew that says, Do not worry what you eat or drink. Pagans worry about these things the scripture, but your father knows what you need before you ask. Okay, pause. So if my prayer is limited to asking, I have not yet scratched the surface to what prayer really is. If my prayer is simply, God, I need this, God, I want that, that is a valid form of prayer. So we're not here to trump that. I'm just letting you guys know that there are layers. And I, I, I think we were here to go, was it deeper? Is that right? Right? So... Asking is not wrong. In fact, Jesus commanded us to do it. Ask, seek, and knock. He commanded us to do it. But what if I told you there are deeper places in prayer? What if I told you you can put all that aside and actually really start to have interaction and deep relationship with God? No joy unspeakable and full of glory, no love. No truth, no righteousness, no peace, no him, because all those things are in him. And today, as we were praying, there's two things that came up, and then we're going to hop in really quickly for you guys. The first thing is purity. I really feel that over these next four weeks, God is going to do a purifying work, and it'll mean a couple of things. Number one, it will manifest itself to regular purity you guys know what i'm talking about sexual all these other different things but the purity i want you to understand is the Matthew 6:22 purity right i'm actually bro is it okay if i'm interactive is that cool can someone just turn there really quickly and just read that for us Matthew 6:22 This is the purity I'm talking about, because oftentimes when we think purity, because of our age and culture, the first thing we think is sexual purity, which is very important. But what I'm saying is purity in God's eyes is is so much higher. It means devotion to one, having a single eye. Can someone read that for us? Whoever has it, doesn't matter. Yeah. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Another version says, if your eye is single, if you only have an eye for one thing, you guys remember Martha and Mary. Martha was worried about many things, but Jesus said, only one thing is necessary. Because in that one thing is everything. This is a mystery, and it's a, it's it, a lot of us miss that. Because when we look at life, there's a lot of needs, wants, and things that come up, but Everything we need is found in Jesus. The Bible says the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him in bodily form. God didn't hold back. Everything is in him. Ephesians 1 says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in him. You want peace? Jesus doesn't offer peace. He is peace. You want love? Jesus doesn't offer love. He is love. Grace, he is grace. Mercy, he is mercy. He doesn't have these things like this bottle of water and gives it to Danny like, hey, there's mercy. See you later. No, no, no. If you take mercy, you take him. Does that make sense? You guys tracking? Okay. So I just wanted to set that out there. Purity is something that I feel the Lord is definitely doing here and will be doing in the sense of a devotion and a pure devotion to Jesus, to him, us, our hearts being single again to where all we want is him. That's not to say we don't live in life, we don't work, but our hearts are captivated and held by him to live from that place. That's what purity is, because if that's there, And I don't even know why I'm saying this. People struggling with lust, sexual things. If that's there, that other thing is taken care of. You don't have to fight from the outside in. When your eye is single, she said it. Your whole what? Body is full of what? Light. It follows. That's the mystery in Matthew 6.33. Seek first. Just one thing. Just do one thing. And in that one thing is everything. Everything. Does that make sense? We can't exhaust Jesus. Do you guys realize that for eternities and eternities, we will see new faces of him every moment? That's Jesus. He's not just a man who's on a picture and a portrait whose arms are spread wide. And we're just like, yeah, we worship that guy. Jesus is glorified, y'all. Like Jesus is the, the beauty, the riches are endless and I don't know about you guys I want to spend as much time as I can on this side of eternity getting to know him because we only get one shot and how we know him on this side of eternity determines how we will live with him on the other side of eternity so let's look at the passage here you guys okay everyone's tracking okay my nostrils are not the only ones that are offended it's all good Jesus is king amen Awesome. All right. So this passage says, I'm just going to get ready to scroll here. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me, someone say, say comes. And hears my words, say hears. And puts them into practice. Someone say practice. I will show you what they are like. Let's keep reading. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep. There's that word again, and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck. Uh, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the Torah struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was great. Seems like a very counterintuitive passage, but I'm just going to pull some gold from that in a few moments. The whole thrust of what, what I want to say tonight is, is basically encapsulated in this oftentimes at the beginning of the year we're all familiar with the christian thing what do we all do we fast right we pray has it ever occurred to you how awesome it would be to live a lifestyle of fasting and prayer where you don't just have to draw near to god in january and then fall off for the next 11 months but where you abide and remain near to him that's actually god's intention and if there's anything I want to encourage you with is, God doesn't just want to be close to you throughout February or January; He wants you to be near every day, and He wants to be near to you every day. Does that make sense? That's what God truly desires. There's a beautiful Psalm, I believe, that says um, that says this. I think it's here, Psalm seventy-eight, twenty-eight. Look what it says. This is Asaph, the Psalmist, speaking. He says he. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. Then I think that's not the right verse, but all Asaph is saying, I think it's the verse after that. It's not here, but that's okay. What Asaph is saying is after he says all this, all this stuff and he kind of opens up his heart toward God, he says, as for me, it's good for me to be near to the Lord. It is good for me to be near to God. And that's what we're doing over this next month. We're drawing near to God. How many of you know that that's not a seasonal thing? It's a daily thing. We draw near until we see him face to face. That's what this is supposed to be like. You guys, are you guys tracking? Awesome. So I want to quickly now move into just laying some framework and then I'm going to hit a few points and then we're just going to land this thing. I don't know, Ryan, how you want to do it if it's Q&A after or what, if it's allotted in the time, but I want to read this This is Exodus 33, verses 7 through 10. A lot of you know the story of Moses. Moses was a man called by God to deliver his people Israel from bondage, which is Egypt, and bring them out into the wilderness, a very interesting place, to learn how to worship God, how to walk with God. But we found that there was great difficulty, you know, um, in the people understanding the plan of God. But look at this. The Bible says, now Moses, this is now in the camp. They now live in the wilderness. They're sojourning and they're going to the promised land where God wants to take them, their destination. But it says something very interesting in verse 7 of chapter 33. It says, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent, meeting outside the camp. Okay. Next passage says, "And wherever Moses went, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent," They all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Okay, I want to just draw a brief picture for you. Imagine camping out with one to three million people in a wilderness where it's super hot, people are super sweaty. They probably didn't have any deodorant. They probably didn't have all these different things, but God was with them, okay? But I want you to notice a distinct difference. You guys have read Exodus. You know that God went with them in what? In a pillar of fire and in a cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So if God was with them, what was the purpose of this tent of meeting? Well, God, you're with us, right? We, we see the, the, the cloud and we see the fire. That, that's awesome. But it says Moses knew something. And it says Moses had a place called the tent of meeting and he used to pitch it a ways away from the camp. What's the application? I want you to think with me for a moment. Let's all travel back in time. Has anyone here seen Superbook? Okay, it's an incredible show about these kids who travel back into Bible times and the Holy Spirit teaches them amazing things. My daughter watches it, but I secretly watch it. It's not for her, it's for me. I love it. I usually end up getting, you know, ministered to, but anyways, throwing myself out there. It's all good, it's all good. Imagine what it's li- it was like to actually cultivate a true relationship with God. You had to get up in the morning and you had to walk through, bro, is this going to squeak if I walk around? Okay. You had to literally get up, walk past your neighbors. He's having breakfast. She's not hungry. All these different things. I'm just going to come through here. And you had to make your way to the tent of meeting. You had to inconvenience yourself to actually go and cultivate relationship with God, true relationship. Because how many of you know that the pillar of fire, as great as it was in the cloud was not enough and didn't validate intimacy with Jesus. Think about it. Is it how, how quick can you walk through a million people? Just think about it. There's a million people. Every morning, you get up and you hear all the cows, you hear everything, and you walk all the way through to this place called the Tent of Meeting to cultivate real relationship with God. And that's the picture I'm trying to draw here. We can get, we can associate ourselves with great moves of God and all these different things, but that's never a substitute for coming to the tent, for coming to him on your own. And the Bible says here that there was a young man named Joshua. You guys know Joshua. Isn't it funny that when Moses died and God wanted to raise a leader, God didn't go like this, uh, you, you're a leader. God picked a man who started seeking him way before he was a leader. The Bible says Moses, the man of God, would go and pray, would leave the tent, and who remained behind? Was Joshua a leader there? You guys read it. It says he was an aide. You know what the word for that is? A waiter. He was Moses' personal waiter. He remained behind. And when God wanted to call upon someone... God didn't go try to hit the lottery. God found a man who had been faithful in obscure places consistently over time, serving, going low, loving Jesus when there's no strings attached, loving Jesus when there's nothing awesome, loving Jesus when you don't get a position, loving Jesus even though you don't get what you wanted, loving Jesus in the midst of it all. When Moses died, God said, Joshua, Joshua, that's my guy. And you realize it's because Joshua learned how to know God. I want to encourage you with two simple things. Guys, knowing God is not a, something that's going to happen fully in February. I want you to pre- be prepared for a journey. You're going to need perseverance. Why? Because you will fail many times. You will set your mind to seek God and you'll fall straight on your face the next morning. When that happens, say, Jesus, help me. Get back again and do it again. And you're gonna have to do that a lot. I'm speaking from experience. I'm the guy who used to pray 20 minutes a day. Now when I get three hours, that's not enough. It's not enough. It didn't take me one year or two years, it's taken me a while. But I wanna tell you ahead of the fact so that you don't get discouraged and detour I'm not experiencing the things people talk about. Yeah, I don't really experience God. So this is not, yeah, this is fake. It's not real. You know, people are just hype. Yeah, but when you invest, when you sow a seed, it doesn't grow overnight. It doesn't grow in a week. Think about the oak tree. Think about the oak tree. I can hold an oak tree in my hand, like a seed, right? Catch me... 80 years later, not going to be able to do that. This is a divine mystery and a principle in the kingdom. Ryan mentioned a verse that was on my heart back there. Someone just quickly for us, turn to Luke 8, verse 13 to 15, and just read it out whenever you have it. Just nice and loud so everyone can hear because this paints the picture of what I'm talking about. This spiritual walk is not an instant microwave-like thing. It's a thing that requires heart, grit, consistency, perseverance, and faith. And God will keep you coming because of hunger and the greater force is because of love. Love for him. So if someone has it, 8 verses 13 through 15, Ryan kind of touched on it, but I just want to use Luke's version because his wording is very interesting. If someone has it. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. I see that. By what? Perseverance. You're going to need that if you want to get to know Jesus. We're going to need that if we truly want to get to know him the way Moses and Joshua and all these people did. We have to rise up from our lives, rise up from comfort. We have to rise up from ease and we have to get up and go out to the tent to meet God, not once, every day. Yeah, holidays included. Yeah, when I'm on vacay, you don't take a vacation from God. God is part of the vacay. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like God, oh, God, you know, I need a break. You know, it's been awesome loving you and serving you. But now I'm on vacation. I'm in Hawaii. Yeah, no. We walk with him every day. Does that make sense? So let's go back to the other verse because I told you I didn't forget about it. This is Luke 6. We repeated three words. You guys remember, right? The first word was comes. There's three keys in here that I want to release and then we'll probably start to land this thing because I don't want to be too long. It says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what he is like. I'm not going to scroll through the verse, but you guys know the story. God is speaking about two different scenarios. He's talking about a house built on the sand, house built on the rock. There's nothing really different about them except that for one individual, they dug deep, right? And digging speaks of what we're talking about, perseverance, process. Like if you've ever dug up anything, you know it's not an easy thing to do, right? Whether you're using your little uh, Fisher Price deal, You know, this is not an easy thing to do, but the Bible says, dug deep, which means when the word of God comes, it's easy to hear it, but it's not always easy to do it. That's the easy part. Even Sam read that. People who hear it and they receive it with joy, but they either get distracted because of life, its riches, or when hardship comes, they didn't expect the hardship. So they bail. And my encouragement to you is don't bail when the hardship comes comes. Keep moving. Keep marching. It's part of the process. He's forming you through it. He's forming you in it. It's all not going to be wasted. Sometimes getting back up again is a greater test of love than anything. You fall flat on your face and you say, Lord, I'm setting my alarm again for 4 a.m. Do you know how many times I had to do that before I could ever be a morning person? I was a night owl. I'm a morning person now. I had to do that for a long time. I snoozed, guys. Like I was snoozing and snoozing and snoozing. God, I love you. Ah! Pass out. But This thing doesn't come easy. But God has provided the grace in advance for us to walk. Like I told you before, it is your birthright. It's in your spiritual DNA to be connected to the Father. So you have to come. But then the Bible says here that you have to hear. Okay? It's not enough to come. You have to hear. Then the Bible says it's not just hearing. You have to put it into practice. And practice is just that. Practice. As powerful as the Holy Spirit is, He doesn't, it's not like Guys going to the gym and you hitting the juice, man. This is like the real deal. He will not, he's the greatest coach, the greatest father. He's not going to rush the process because he knows that the outcome is way too precious to compromise by giving us things cheap and easy because that's not the example Jesus set. That's not who he was. It's as though he endured, he said that he endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. He endured. That same word is the perseverance we're talking about. He was tempted in every way, but he kept marching. He kept going. He kept moving. And God is too jealous for that over each and every one of your lives to let us get a cheap experience or a cheap encounter. God will say, no, no, keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. And when God says, hey, this person is actually, they're actually serious about this, you start to experience a grace like a wind under your wings. Right? Isn't that what Isaiah 40 says, those that wait on the Lord. He shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like the eagle. But how did they mount up? They waited. The word for waiting there speaks of hoping for and looking to. And looking to is not something where we just stand and look. It's what we're talking about. Your aim. I may fall, but my aim is Jesus. I'm getting back up again. Oh, I stumbled again. I'm going. That's what it's talking about. Does that make sense? So this is what God, I really believe, wants to download into our spirits today, you have to come. And when you come, you have to hear. But when you hear, you have to begin to put into practice even the things that we're going to talk about over the next month. You have to put them to practice. Just going to say a few more things here. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. I want you to notice two things about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer focuses on who God is, the identity of God first. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father. God is a family man. He is familial. We were not baptized into the God of power, the God of glory, and the God of fire. We were baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the nature of who God is. So when we come, you understand that you're coming to a Father. It's very important for you to understand that because that is the difference between Christian prayer and every other prayer. With other prayers, you come to deities and gods and cosmic forces and powers that are uncontrollable and unknown, whose characters can't be discerned. But with God, you're coming to a Father. You're coming to a father. You're included in a family. And this father is committed to you. And we have to be committed to him. Jesus came to show us how to love the father because the father first loved us. It's a return of love. Jesus didn't give and come to the cross so that God could love him. It was from the place of being loved that he gave himself. Does that make sense? It wasn't like he was trying to win the father's love through this sacrifice on the cross. God, look what I did. Do you love me? No, he was loved eternally, right? And then from that place, he took up his cross and he could actually follow and serve God. The Trinity, I hope I'm I'm not getting complicated. Is this, are you guys tracking? Okay, I'm not trying to go weird on you guys. I'm not weird, I promise. But have you ever thought about this? what it means that God gives us his spirit. Can I have you two ladies come stand with me? We're the Trinity. We are, you're going to be God the Father because you're in the middle, okay? So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, okay? God existed before us. Before he ever created us, he was good. He had family. Notice, before everyone was ever born, God already had family. guys You guys tracking? God, the father, he's always been a father. God, the son, always been a son Then the Holy Spirit. When God sent his spirit to live in you and me, this is what he did. This is like holy stuff. This is like the holy fire, the cherubims. This is like intense over here. This is like glory, right? But God so loved you and me that he did this. Okay, I'm gonna send the son to go and die for them so that they could be here now. And now it's all of us. This is where God brought us. Does that make sense? All prayer should issue from this reality. We don't pray and ask for things and just like blast God. We are part of the divine family. This is what God did. This is what love is. This is what God, why do you think Christ bled the way he did? Why do you think he died the way he did? It wasn't so we could come and just throw prayers of our needs, like in a world that's going to perish anyways. God, I want the new Jays. God, I want this. God, help me with this. Thank you, ladies. God, help me with that. Help me. Do you really think an eternal God who loved you eternally would be there just to make sure that you've got Jays and you get your own desires in this life? God had a plan and a purpose and he's brought us into the family of God. And what happens in the family of God, we're going to touch on this in the coming weeks, is the counsel of God is there. What do I mean? C-O-U-N-S-E-L, not C-O-U-N-C-I-L, right? Counsel, meaning God's thoughts, his hearts, and his will are there. So if you can get in here, you're not going to pray like this. You're going to pray the way God wants you to pray. I'll put it this way. This is just for next week, just to give you something. Peter doesn't want Jesus to die because homeboy thinks Jesus is here to overthrow Caesar. But in the divine council, they already agreed long before we were ever here that Christ would go. So Peter, in his good intentions, was trying to resist the counsel of God, the will of God. And we will always resist the will of God if we never make room to take advantage of what it really means to be in the counsel of God by lifestyle. The counsel of God is not just going to drop on you because you're a son and a daughter. The counsel of God will drop on those who draw near to him. When you draw near to him, God shares the secrets of his heart. Someone says this, and I don't mean to be offensive when I say this, truly. God is not a prostitute. He's not cheap. I'm serious, and I don't mean to offend anyone with that, but I'm just being, I'm being real. Just so you get the idea in your mind. The faithful, the Bible says his eyes are ever on the faithful. We talked about Joshua already. We'll talk about many more. But the idea I want you guys to get today is this is a journey and you need to commit in your heart now to give yourself to this process and to this journey. God's provided the grace for you. Yes, it will be challenging, but don't give up. Don't. Trust me, some of you are going to say, I'm fired up tonight. You're going to want to get up to pray tomorrow and guess what's going to happen? Exactly. You're going to snooze. Right? No, I'm, I'm being real. Like I'm just being honest with you. But desires don't get fleshed out easily. Seeds don't grow without adversity and harsh conditions and all of that. Sometimes they may even grow dormant. However, if you persist and you sow a seed, the life will come when God determines that it should come. You guys are tracking with me, Right? There's a lot of stuff I've covered without even going to the verses, Ryan, so don't be concerned about that. I know you're not. I'm just joking, bro. But um, I just want to see here if there's just a few more things and I'm done. 1 Corinthians 3.5 says this. Just look at this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, but God has been making it grow. I can honestly tell you guys that there are things I'm walking in now that were seeds that were sown five and six and seven years ago. If you're hopping on this fast and thinking your result's going to come on March 1st, you may be very disappointed. We shouldn't even be fasting that way anyways, just for results. But there's this beautiful thing that happens when you're continually sowing daily. You find yourselves in seasons where God says, that seed you sowed, Kim, four years ago, in December on the 6th when no one was looking, that weekend you spent with me, grow." And something happens and you're like, where did that come from? All of a sudden, the word of God comes alive to me. All of a sudden, this is there. Where's all this coming from? It's seeds you sowed. Right? Sowing toward the spirit, Paul says, you reap eternal life. But you can also sow toward the flesh. And he says, it's a principle. Either this way or that way, it will also sprout. But as we make this a lifestyle, which is the aim of what I'm saying, you will be continually sowing, and at the appointed time, God will cause it to grow, and he'll cause you to grow, and look more and more like Jesus. But remember, to get a foundation, you have to come. Number two, you have to be humble and willing to be turned by God, to hear so that it can actually impact your real life so that your real life can change that's how transformation happens guys it's not like ryan laid hands on me and i flew into the aisles and i was like oh it could happen like that too though but you know the reality is this is how it happens when god created the heavens and the earth did god like come in with his hands and do all that he spoke and he began to recreate and as god does that this week, recreates, does all that. It's going to be through being with him, the living word. And as he enters into your heart, there's going to be an awesome fruit that is produced. But the purity of it has to be there, which is a sincere and a pure love for Jesus. Not for God to answer my prayers, not just for my needs. If you truly know prayer, there are times, guys, and I'll just end, uh, I'll, I'll end with that because we're we're done. Four minutes over, but... There are times in my life, I can tell you, honestly, certain things have come to me without looking for them. Can I just share like two stories or whatever? Okay, so we've made it an ambition in our home, a goal to seek first God's kingdom. I don't worry about things, but things worry about me. No, I'm being serious. And trust me, I'm not speaking prosperity stuff because that stuff is not the Lord, okay? And I want to be clear with that. Everything now, too soon, here for me, 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 me. That's not the gospel, okay? That just, that's an aside. I bought a car, newlywed, got this import from the East Coast, looked good on the outside, rusted up, banged up, and I was content. It did what it needed to do. Gave me 500 kilometers, um, you know, in a full tank. Worked quietly, but one day we realized that there's a terrible issue in the back because the car wasn't even sitting on any springs. You know, I took it in, and the guy's like, yo, your car is rusted out, homie. Like, there's nothing here. If I remove that, I won't be able to put it back. Right? So I'm like, no, 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 don't do it. I gotta get home. Wasn't even concerned about my own well-being. I'm like, yo, no, 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 don't do it, bro. It's all good. I'll just go home. We'll figure it out. My wife learns about the problem and we looked at each other in the house and I, we said these words, the Lord knows. I kept on doing what I needed to do. We're in Walmart the next day together and I get a call from my boss and out of nowhere, it's like, hey bro, uh, we wanted to get you a car. Me? Looking you have the number, like, you know, for real? Asked me to go pick out a car got a car. The whole moral of the story is I wasn't trying to get a car. I was doing what Jesus said. And I'm not saying if you do that, you're going to get a car. So it's not, it's not a formula, right? God knows what we need, but that's just one story. There are multiple other stories I can tell you of stuff that was paid for, stuff that came in like just crazy stories, which hopefully I'll share over the weeks. But all I'm simply saying is God knows your needs. And if you truly look at who God is, I don't want to talk about my needs when I spend time with him. Guys, I'm honest. I hardly ever pray about needs. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Prayer is, is completely more for me. I'm just like, man, God, you're awesome. When I come out of prayer, I'm like, that was amazing. And then like, as I'm going, it's like, boop, boop, like things are popping up. i like, oh yeah, I needed that. Wow, great. You know, I pick it up a pearl. Wow, great. That's here, I'll give it to my wife. Like, that's awesome. But that's literally, and I'm being honest with you, how we live. That is literally how we live. We had a trip to Israel once and my wife was like, I had a dream. We were on a boat and I looked in the distance Israel was there. We're asking the Lord, should we go? Okay, let's go. Okay, we go, come back home that day, check the mail, and there's a check for $2,000 in the for no reason from a guy who I didn't even really know from another state in the U.S. And he was like, I really felt that you guys were praying about so-and-so. Here you go. That trip ended up paying for itself. But what I'm saying is, if God knows that people are working themselves to the ground to just eat, drink, and have clothes to wear, God is freeing your time by saying, I'm going to take care of that anyways. Why don't you seek the greater riches? Why don't you seek me? God has set you free in that principle. Don't live for the things that God is going to give you anyways. He's saying, you, you, you know what you should use that time for? Getting to know me. That's what you need to use that time for. Why turn back around and say, oh man, that car, that Lambo, bro. I want to get a Lambo and I'm going to get five jobs. That's the wrong way to go, right? But we'll talk about that next week about prayer and all the other stuff. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.